0: G'day, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast, and welcome to the beginning of the Clubs in Days series. I will be your host today, Liam, and today I'm joined by Will. Will, how are you going? I'm very well, thank you. That is perfect to hear. Now, I know you're excited for what we've got coming in this series, but what we really need to do is what can listeners expect from us at this point in the pre season? What is clubs
1: in days going to look like? Pretty much we're going to go through every club. We're going to tell you what happened to them last year, what we expect of them next year, and more importantly, who to pick or who we think you should pick rather in their fantasy teams.
0: But we also...
1: Yes, you're leaving at the the key bit here, which is... But we also, and I have some very, very special news here, is we've got so many interviews to share with you to give you the inside word from the clubs.
0: Because I don't know if everyone else... for, For those new listeners, you're in for a treat. But last year, some of the players that we got from those interviews were not only themselves great fantasy players, but their suggestions, just primo stuff. Top line... Incredible, couldn't have asked for anything better. And in fact, in a media landscape like the AFLW, it was as good as you're ever going to get straight yep. from the horse's mouth.
1: So, yeah, absolute gold.
0: We are extremely excited for what we're going to be able to bring to you this season. And it starts off pretty small. We've got a pretty low level team, pretty low level name for the interview. I'm sure you've read by this point the title of today's episode, but we're talking about Adelaide and we've got Ann Hatchard, which is outrageous. We, we-
1: we, we start pretty, pretty high up there. I think it's hard to find many more big guns of the fantasy game. She's right up there. She, we, is, she is on the podium. We were. If you've been following us on social media, Mel was absolutely gobsmacked that we actually got to do this interview. Oh, I think everyone was. like We were
0: not expecting this at all when we started, and so we're like blown away by the fact that we managed to get to do this. But before we get to that interview, because we'll throw it in there in the middle of today's episode, Will, can you give us a quick rundown of what the Crows were like last year and what's the roster looking like coming out of the the off-season?
1: Absolutely. So Adelaide, as always, very strong team again in Season 7, finishing with an 8-2 record in the home and away season. Didn't quite make it to the grand final this season after winning the Season 6 Premiership, losing in a prelim final. Uh, but they're still likely to be a very, very strong side once again heading into Season 8. The team is one of the most settled in the competition. However, there was one incredibly major out, which was leading goal kicker Ash Saint, or Ash Woodland, to those who didn't know, she had changed her name thanks to her marriage. Congratulations, Ash. Uh, So that is a big void because once again, after losing Aaron Phillips to Port Adelaide, they have once again lost their leading goal kicker. So that's the second time in three seasons. There's a big gap up forward for someone to kick some goals, and we'll talk a bit later about who we think that will be. In terms of major in, the two main ones will be Jess Allen joining her sister back at the Crows, likely to play in the Ruck, and also Sarah Goodwin coming back over from Port Adelaide uh, to possibly fill in a spot in that defence. She was a pretty high draft pick, wasn't she?
0: Absolutely. In that uh, bumper... Expansion draft because she was a port Adelaide at like pick
1: seven, I think. Pick pick seven, I believe, yeah, and highly, highly touted. Uh, so very much a chance to slot into an ordinary strong back line and make an instant impact.
0: Yeah, very, very interesting options there. Well, look, before we jump into our five most relevant fantasy players, I'm gonna have to throw to Will and Mel having a chat and a sit-down with Ann Hatchard. <laughs>
2: How's it going everyone? I'm Mel and you're listening to Free Kick. Today I'm joined by a very special guest. We have a three-time Premiership player from the Crows, Anne Hatchard. Anne, how's it going? Yeah, it's going really well, thank
3: you and thanks for having me
2: on today. Of course, absolutely. Our pleasure. Um, I guess so, to start off with, uh, off-season, uh, we've seen on Instagram that something pretty exciting happened. Do you want to tell us about that?
3: Yeah, so was lucky enough to go on a trip to the US and then uh, got married in Vegas uh, to my beautiful wife Georgie, so it uh, was definitely the best holiday I've been on um, and to surprise everyone with getting married and then came back to Adelaide and had a massive party when we got back, so um, definitely, yeah, one of the best moments in my life.
2: Oh, that's such a nice way to do it.
1: And um, you you and Georgie are actually one of my favourite social media couples because you do very publicly meme each other, which is uh, quite enjoyable. Could you give us us a bit of insight into that?
3: Yeah, I love to give her the the lips filter. So (laughs) um, there's actually a lot of people who just call her lips now because um, they just know her by lips, so a lot of people don't actually know her name. They're like, "Oh my god, it's Lips Girl." So I've just gone along with it. I absolutely love it, and I think it's hilarious. I'm not sure she thinks that it's as hilarious as
2: I do, but um, yeah, get a, a, as much as I can with that. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, <laughs> so I guess uh, talking about like your AFLW uh, career and history to date. You're obviously a very, very talented AFLW player. Um, you've started off really strong um, when you uh, received a Rising Star nomination in 2018. You've backed that up with four All Australian uh, places. Um, I wonder, going into season eight, so your eighth season now, um, what are you working on for yourself, for your development? Like what's what's there still to do?
3: Yeah, it's crazy thinking, fact that it's been this such such a long journey and to now be in my eighth preseason I actually can't believe it um and there's definitely still a lot for me to work on um there's lots of different skills that I want to tweak on and um I've definitely worked on my fitness over the last four years so um that's something I don't need to focus as much on now and it's more just working on some different crafts so I want to be able to play different positions so um, definitely working on some forward craft heading into this this season. So hopefully can kick a few snags this year.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because something we were quite interested by was that you were playing a bit across half forward uh, last season. Is that something that you're looking to continue or is it more just kicking goals from the midfield?
3: Uh, for sure, I'd love to, to be up forward a bit, um, especially when um, losing Ashwoodland uh, to Port. So we've got a bit of a hole in our forward line at the moment. So hopefully uh, they let me have a bit of time up there and uh, can clunk a few marks. So there are some young girls coming through who are making a good good mark in that in that forward role. So yeah, it'll be very interesting to see um, how it kind of pans out this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned that you've lost uh, Ash Woodland now, Ash Saint um, to Port Adelaide. You've also lost obviously Aaron Phillips uh, the season before that. The Crows have been one of the best defensive teams across the the whole of the competition, but you've, you've lost basically your two greatest goal scorers. Has there been much talk into who's going to fill those those big holes in the forward line? Is it you yourself?
3: <laughs> oh, look, if you could ask the coach if it's all right if I go in there a bit more, I'd love that. Um, <laughs> but no, there are some young girls coming through. Um, someone who's worked really hard this offseason who I'm really excited to see is actually Caitlin Gould. So she can grab marks, but one thing is she's very good in the ruck. So... Um, I guess it would just be finding the balance on who will fill that role in the forward line. But we do have uh, quite a few people who are training really hard this, this pre-season um, to be able to fill those roles. So uh, we definitely have the talent there. It's just finding what works best.
2: Yeah. Nice. So as you mentioned, it's your 8th preseason. Um, I guess 2022 was a kind of a high and low year or, you know, high and still high, not but quite, not quite as, as high, high. <laughs> <laughs> very high and moderately high. Wow. Um, so I guess like starting off the year with the first season, smashing it, and then not quite making it to Premiers in season seven. seven um, how did that feel, kind of having those two back-to-back seasons in one year? Uh, honestly, it was one of the hardest
3: things, uh, not only physically but mentally. I think um, especially season six coming off with the the grand final win uh, it was awesome, and then um, we are pretty – tired to be honest heading into that next season and um it was really you know tough to kind of there was so much unknown of what was going on and to jump into that next season um, i don't think we had um enough time to really prepare to the standard we could have and we kind of just um had a lot of small wins where we're just grinding through the end so um we still had a had a great year but we had a lot of learnings out of that so uh, melbourne and brisbane definitely Uh, deserve to be in that grand final season seven they performed all year so um, I think yeah coming off season seven um, and having this long break uh, we're really keen to crack into this into this next season
2: Yeah, nice. so you mentioned that um, there were a few kind of learnings coming out of season seven what are are there any that you can share with us that you're taking into season eight and like how is that informing I guess week three of pre-season training and stuff Yeah. So, um, something we definitely, uh, uh, we learned from
3: coming off season seven is, uh, we've got to train the way we want to play. I think, um, you know, not, ha- not having as much break in that off season and coming in, we probably took the the foot off the pedal a little bit. So, um, we've really, um, crashed in hard into preseason season our bodies are already sore. Um, so yeah, I think that's one of the biggest learnings and to just, really just be in the moment as a team and be grateful of where we are. I think, you know, the more care and connection we have as a team, the better we're going to perform on the field. So just being in the moment, having fun, training hard and yeah, just rolling into that next season.
1: Yeah. And you you said it really well there, because you said you, you, you took the foot off the gas a bit, but they still, you still managed to go quite far into the pointy end of the finals. You didn't take out the flag in season seven, but you've been, the most successful club in the history of the AFLW, three premierships. As a group, how tough has has that been to maintain those high standards? And do, do you have to keep working on it? Or is it something that comes quite naturally amongst the leaders? Can you give us a bit of insight into that?
3: Yeah, I think from that first season, we built um, a really strong culture. Um, having Aaron and Chelsea lead us uh, from the start, they they really brought our group together. and. Um, had those high standards so that's really carried on through um, into this season as well and there's um, having a lot of success it just it makes you want more it makes you want to keep winning so having those losses I think they kind of they hurt more because you know what that winning feeling feels like and not only do you want to keep getting those wins but you want those younger girls who haven't experienced it to, to be able to feel that too so I think that's what really drives you know, we, the, the girls who have been in all three or in two or in one is they want those other girls who are now joining our team uh, to be able to feel that as well. So that's really what drives us. And, yeah, just keeping that that the group standards and culture nice and strong because that's really what will help build us in, into success.
2: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I was having a look at clubs with uh, the most inaugural players still kind of playing and Adelaide is number one with six. Um, So you mentioned like Erin before, who's obviously moved on, but still having such a strong cohort of players that have been playing together the whole time. Um, How do you think that's uh, impacting your ability to kind of just like know what the team's doing, but also like your training of the younger people?
3: Yeah, having a core group of girls still there really helps. Um, You kind of know how everything works and you've got more players to then help those other girls who are then coming into our program. So um, yeah, it's really exciting that we have that many girls who have stuck around. It just shows that we do have a good culture where we are and um, we are a very strong club. So um, yeah, it's a credit to the club that they've really looked after us and they've taken it seriously from the start. And it, yeah, it's just shows with the girls who have stuck around and there are young girls who want to be part of what we have. So um, yeah, to just, we just want to keep building on that and yeah, helping these young players coming through because they're going to be the future of the Crows. So um, it's really exciting seeing all the talent coming through now. It's actually kind of scary.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's fantastic. And you mentioned the the young talent, you've now no longer got a monopoly on South Australian talent with uh, Port Adelaide coming across. And they've also stolen a few of your your star players. Has, Has there been, some genuine heat in that Port Adelaide rivalry or do you still sort of see them as your little cousins? So you don't really care too much about.
3: There was definitely heat in that first showdown. Um, that was one of the funnest games I've ever played. And, you know, it's, I think it's always just going to be rivalry against mm. the your two state teams. Um, when they first came in, you know, you knew a few players were going to probably shuffle over there and those the, the the best young talent were gonna go straight into port. So uh, to be able to get out there and play against another South Australian team is just amazing because there are so many um, talented SA girls who don't get the opportunity in their state because there was only limited spots uh, with us at the Crow. So they'd have to go into state. So um, it's amazing that there's now two teams uh, for the South Australian talent to potentially go into.
1: Yeah. And you uh, did win that showdown quite convincingly. Did you manage to get a few words into some of your old teammates?
3: Oh, I didn't. Um, (laughs) I I tend to keep my mouth shut a bit. It gets me into a bit of trouble. So um, I think a few of the other girls might have had a little dig.
1: Is there anyone that is particularly lippy at the uh, at the old teammates?
3: Uh, I reckon um, the Ange Foley uh has a bit to say now uh so it's good fun love a bit of banter so um you know when you're out in the field they're uh, your enemies but once you the game's done they're they're good mates so um yeah it's all good fun and all good banter
2: yeah very nice um the final question we like to wrap up all of our interviews with is uh who from your team is there to watch like who's going to be the big breakout in the coming season and i know you mentioned uh gold before is she the one to watch or is there someone else we should be keeping an eye out on for a big season eight?
3: Uh, yeah, Caitlin Gould would be uh, my pick for, for the one to watch. She has just had an amazing off-season. She's come into pre-season really strong. So, um, yeah, definitely watch out for, for Caitlin Gould. And someone else who I'm really impressed with is um, Abby Ballard. Um, she's come out firing. So uh, those two will be the ones to watch uh, for our team this season.
2: Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate taking the time. Um, you're, a, you're a very big name, so Will and I were feeling a little bit nervous <laughs> in the lead-up to this, um, but uh, it's been amazing. Thank you so much.
3: No, and thanks so much for having me on.
1: No worries. Thank you so much.
0: Well, that was absolutely fascinating. And for those of you who are questioning, Liam, Will, Mel was in the interview. Where is she now? Mel is not going to be on a number of these Clubs in Days episodes because she has had the temerity, the outright gall to go on an African safari and be out of phone contact for an extended period of time, which just shows a lack of commitment to the pre-season of a sport that she does not play, which I think is just ridiculous. I don't know about you, Will.
1: Well, to be fair, she has actually been doing a fair bit of admin from from Tanzania, which is Pretty good on it, but oh, yes. It's seriously impressive. I don't <laughs> want
0: anyone to go around dobbing and saying, yep. well, what are you guys doing? This yes. show would not happen. A lot of these interviews would not even get close to happening if it wasn't for Mel's work. So that's just a heads up. And now we can go straight into most fantasy relevant players for the Crows. Well, I have a feeling I know who's to number one going to be and you're going to have to really sell me on her. Who have you got number one?
1: You know what, because you're going to have to sell it, I'm actually going to start at number two. Good start. We're starting at... at, at not at the start. <laughs> I'm starting at number two because number two is, in fact, Anne Hatchard, who we just heard from. And the reason I'm bringing up Anne Hatchard at number two is very strong fantasy player, as we know. Great average of 98 last year, which was ironically actually a down season compared to her season six. The thing that has us both interested and concerned is the talk of a potential more forward-related role. So... That's the something that does bring me a little bit of concern. That may have been a reason for that bit of a dip, but we know she can rack up the ball. What do you reckon, Liam? I'm just burnt.
0: Like, Mm. I I really thought she was going to launch again last season, and that was off the back of the idea of, oh, she still managed 103 in a season where she was clearly injured in season six and then comes out, looks great for the first few rounds of the year. I got a little bit big in my boots, uh, particularly with Jono because we had spent the entire preseason prior arguing who we should pick out of Monty and uh and um not Monty, sorry, Maronoff <laughs> and Hatchard. Monty, Monty. I've got I've uh, got you'll you'll figure out why I've got Monty on the brain ladder. And then yeah, she just really didn't serve it up. And she dis the thing that really killed me was her marks were down. She mm. wasn't covering as much territory and this talk of a forward role, I don't know about you, I'm sure in a world where Adelaide's looking to kick more goals, they're going to try a whole bunch of options. Mm. That's super concerning.
1: Yeah. Forwards for, for, just not reliable scorers. Yeah, for me, it, given we've talked a bit about her marking prowess, it makes sense to me why they would want her up there as a marking target. It just means there's less of the ball, even in a team as strong as Adelaide. I think the only way it could possibly be good is if she somehow manages to be a forward in the game. Um if that does eventuate, you've probably got a player who even if her average is down at what, ninety to eighty, she's still probably the clear number one forward. That's probably the only saving grace that there could be. Look,
0: I would be very surprised if a player who averaged eighty four percent CBAs can get forward status. Like completely um agree.
1: Unless they manage to um, become really up-to-date and bring in dual positions DPPs mid-season. In DPPs in week, five. <laughs> in week five. If they can pull out the, a DPP in week five and she gets forward status, fantastic. Uh, Till then, it's going to be a tough sell. I reckon it's a tough sell.
0: Okay. I'm going to advocate my, against myself here. Maybe right now in the preseason, Adelaide is like, we've lost our two best forwards. Ash Woodland Saint. And we've also lost the season prior, you know, he, she who shall not be named at Port Adelaide. Are they not then thinking we've just got a bunch of, we've got to throw a bunch of different options here and find out what forward configuration works? Anne Hatcher yeah. can play as a forward. She is kind of like Jazz Garner and they work so well ahead of the ball to get, to be able to take those marks and really just drop off at a contest so that they're there to take marks inside the forward kind of 30 metres. Right now, that probably looks like a great option, but I'm Mm. sure that when it comes to some of that stoppage work, she is going to be as dominant as we have seen her before. Mm. I just don't know how you could pick it, even if she says that she really wants to do it.
1: Yeah. It's also the the defensive running. The defensive running for me is the thing that you'd miss if she's up forward because her ability to cover the ground is her greatest strength. And – if she's basically just sitting on a half forward flank, you're wasting such a, a powerful runner. I would
0: be I would be very concerned about mm. not. Well, they've got Ebony Marinoff, and she's the leading everything getter yeah. in the AFLW history. But that, that was almost that was that almost, a really well. Well, almost, a, almost a perfect segue. Really well. Well, almost
1: almost a perfect segue because oh, I had surprise. one other point. I had one other one other point about Anne Hatchard, which is keep an eye out for if that forward wall does eventuate could be a change up in the middle of the season which makes her a bargain pick.
0: Yes. Or she's gonna be really cheap as a forward in season nine yep. when I believe she will yep. go back to where she looks best. I could be completely yep. wrong. I'm happy to own up to that later, but it just seems like a midfielder to me.
1: So yeah, congratulations everyone. That is Will's first watch and wait
0: oh for our dear. club series.
1: Oh. Should, I should um, start a counter at this point see so, yeah, I wasn't gonna do it but you sort of led me into it by saying next season so <laughs> so I'm gonna put, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna oh, chalk just... that one I'm actually going to chalk that one down to liam thank you liam but, oh, uh, no, and,
3: and, and we're gonna, live, we're gonna both. move we're
1: gonna move back to number one ebony Marinoff. Ebony Marinoff averaged 112 last year fantastic average only player that came close to the great Kiara Bowers in terms of her scoring ability um, to me, she's a, one of those players that if you don't pick Bowers, if you don't pick Marinoff, you're almost missing out on a player guaranteed that's going to score well over 100. I guess that's that. my main take on it is you're going to have to go bold if you're not picking either of them. And Marinoff, to me, is a, a set-and-forget type player. What do you reckon, Liam?
0: I still believe that she will be in the top two mids, but do not think of this as me saying that you have to get her because she mm. finished the season like a house on fire after round five, round five onwards. But her final season was down. She had mm. her final three scores at 93 or below and finished the season in the finals with 78 and 76.
1: And that was exactly what I was going to bring up. Two seventies to finish the year was just the, the one thing that had me a little bit worried. But, I mean, we were worried about Kiara Bowers coming into last season and, we saw what she did last year. So I think Marinoff is a safe pick. I don't think it's a necessary pick. But if you pick Marinoff, you're probably going to be pretty happy with a 100-plus average.
0: I would is... be I would be pretty confident in picking Noffy if Anne Hatchard is a forward. Yeah. Because I think Agreed. that's the upside to make it a worthwhile pick. Because yep. we do have to remember every time we have these conversations – In our top five most relevant players, there is not going to be a lot of basement price players.
1: Exactly, we're not going to
0: have draft picks to pick like to choose from.
1: A lot of these players are probably even like Marinoff. An average of 112 means she's probably going to lose your money, even if she starts this, this the year with an average of 100, and that's something you're just going to have to cop.
0: Yeah, and that's the that kind of burnt me specifically with Turbo last year. I didn't jump back on at the right time when Kiara Bells finally started to be value again. And if you don't consider that kind of three, kind of around round four, round five, that's when you, if you don't have them, like, or if you do have them, you just know that there are going to be more people that get them around then because they'll be cheaper because the, price, the way the pricing mechanic works, that's when all of the rookie price players who are playing go up. Now, I would argue that, Drop is going to be less less big. God damn it. I'm doing a day of work and my book goes out the
1: window. It's going to be less bigger. Yeah, they're going to be
0: smaller (laughs) Slightly smaller because there's fewer players who are going to be basement price coming from the expansion Mm. clubs. There will still be some, but no draft and fewer expansion players. And most of the expansion teams actually had everyone play last year because Mm. they just churned through their roster. So... Few things to consider there. I can't fault you for Noffy. It hurts to have to look at both <laughs> of them because, like, there was just that round where she just went, yeah, no, I'm just going to ruin your experience of the game because you're going to trade out, play as you like, and then I'm going to go 148.
1: <laughs> and that's the thing. That sort of ceiling just means that. You- even if if even if it's not, you know, a guarantee, it's worth considering regardless. So that's why she's the clear number one to me at, at the Crows.
0: And if she can add a couple of extra marks in the midfield or steal some of Anne's five and a half tackles a game, like her ceiling is enormous. It's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> five and a half tackles for someone who already averages something like eight tackles nine, a game. Nine <laughs> tackles a game. Something <laughs> stupid. Yeah, like yeah. I'll just...
0: Pidge a little bit of that tackle marker chair. Oh, 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 that'll, be, <sighs> that'll be really supplementing a low score. Right. So we've gone through the top two. I don't think anyone who played last year is going to be surprised that they were sitting up there. Now, Will, who have you got three? And, and I say, who have you got? I see who you've got, and I'm fascinated because this yeah. is someone that I championed
1: last year. Mm. It is someone you championed last year. I've, I've ignored an obvious one who I'll talk about at number four and gone for Daniel Pontre at number three. And Danielle Pontra is a player that we know is insanely talented, and at some stage is going to absolutely explode. And as you said, Liam, you're advocating for it. Last year didn't quite happen, but there was <laughs> some some good signs there because she scored seventy nine against North, and which is and she scored seventy four against Geelong. Exactly. So there's some good scores against tough to score against defences there. And basically, but. basically the important thing here is if she can improve her consistency. She averaged fifty one last year, which as a forward is still pretty good. If she can push that average into the sixties, there's value there. And given she's only twenty two, we still haven't seen her peak. And the reason, I've, sorry, just quickly, Liam, the reason I put her at number three is because this year, and this is something we're going to talk about so much, is you're going to be searching for those value players that can just rise that average up about ten points, fifteen points, and hopefully get a bit of you know, surprise value out of a player. And to me, Ponta's one of those players.
0: Love it. This is like listening to the Adelaide episode we did last year because I actually think there's only going to be one player difference in the players that we talked about because Ponta was my pick. The thing that frightened me is actually looking back, doing our research for this, and me thinking, oh, Ponta, like, loved it. I had her in a draft league that we were doing. Then I had a look at the correlation between her CBAs and her scoring, and they were inverse. She yep. couldn't get around the ball. Like yep. in that game against um, – in, in her higher scoring games where she had basically 75s, 0% CBAs, 0% CBAs in the games around them, 13, 13, 23, 21, 28, 7, all of these different little smatterings. It's almost like you take away something from her game when you mm. put her in the midfield. Which is, it's, I don't understand, yeah. and like all of my fantasy learnings, both M <laughs> and F, suggest that that is wrong somehow, but and it's yeah, just here something to watch
1: out for. <laughs> and I think the thing about it is, the reason I'm hopeful that that works in our favour this season is because they need a spearhead, they need someone up forward to kick the goals that Ash Saint and Aaron Phillips aren't bringing, especially Ash Saint, who's a, a leading goal kicker herself. And... Ponter is such a natural replacement as a Mercurial, super talented forward up there. So if she can take some of those goals, I think that 60 average is something that she can definitely hit.
0: Yeah, I would want to see, though, an increase in her possessions. That's what I really didn't mm. expect last year. Because I remember we had this chat this time last year, and I was like, I think Danielle Ponta will take the role of Aaron Phillips and kick the goals. And in fairness, that wasn't wrong. She still kicked 11 mm. goals last year. She looked really good across her 10 games. The thing that I did see was fewer possessions, a possession fewer a game, slightly mm. fewer tackles. Yeah. Meters gained were up because I think that she was spending more time a little bit higher up the ground, but she wasn't using that for possessions. I think there is an absurd amount of talent there. It will always be someone to watch. It might be that we see one game or Two games and go, oh, yeah, bang. That she is mm. better now, like we've seen the improvement, but oof, she's that is fraught with risk. It's, it's concerning,
1: it's a super risky pick. And, like, as you were saying, like some of her best games are games where she's had 15 disposals plus, so she's had a her highest ever score was a, an 89, 20 touches. A game like that, super, but then similar to what we said with Marinoff. You look at her final series last year, 8-4-6 disposals, 39-12-23. Yeah, that's not good. And that, and that's where you go, Phew. do you take the risk? I, 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 I don't think I could
0: take the risk week one. Yeah, I, I agree. If there was like a three-game preseason, which it mm. would never happen because of the length of the season as it is, but if you could get that, I yeah. might
1: so be able take
0: be confident enough and comfortable enough to take it, but oh, boy.
1: No. So, so what? So what you're saying, Liam, is that we need to. What? What?
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I can talk about waiting or deciding not to take someone, but I don't need to say watch and wait every single episode uh. or every single player.
1: That's
0: a given. We're in yeah. the preseason.
1: <laughs> well, a player that we definitely don't need to watch and wait. Number four. Wrong
0: wrong we do need to watch and wait because the <laughs> role's going to change but yes go on
1: <laughs> a player that i was very happy to to have correctly picked last year was chelsea randall so the inspirational skipper turned back the clocks last year or last season in season seven average 84 fantastic ended up being almost a must-have pickets at, at uh, the early stage of the season six of eight games were over 80 points now There's two caveats here, and one of them that's what Liam said, which is she has the ability to play anywhere on the park, which is good and bad because it means that she can pretty much score anywhere on the park, but it also means that she might not because if she needs to do a lockdown role, which has happened in the past, then her scoring tanks. The second caveat to that, which is similar, is it's going to be super interesting to see where she's listed because she played a lot across half forward and a lot through the midfield. Yeah. If she's listed in the midfield you've all of a sudden just got a player who's back in the pack, if she's listed as a forward, then she, she might actually be might really, be really good value. She, she might, might be fantastic. Be so that's, that's the biggest problem with Chelsea Randall is where is she going to be listed? Hopefully we'll know that soon enough. But for now, while we don't have those um, listings, it's going to be an interesting one because an 84 averaging forward or defender is super, super great. But, yeah, it's it's really dependent on where she plays and where she's listed, I think, with Chelsea Randall.
0: Yeah, and I would hazard a guess that it would be a midfielder because as Mm. much as she did play a couple of games in the forward or spend some time in the forward line, it was a little bit Hatchard-esque in that Mm. it was kind of breaking from a CBA. I would love if it was a forward because it really would give you a potential F1, obviously with some Mm. risk Mm. and – Again, Adelaide, like I was frustrated sometimes watching Chelsea Randall. Like she had that 37 playing against Collingwood mm. where she was a tagger for the entire game. Yeah, strange, strange change for a player of her ability. But. but the Swiss Army knife can stab other people and it can also stab you. And then she comes out 89, <laughs> 107, 93 and 103. And I was in exactly. pain. That's I was the in serious her- pain. I had it's- bloody and Gilroy. Who, by the way, good pick at the time. I called it early and said she'll be a midfielder. I rate it. Another one where Liam, on the back of very little, made a call. I just picked the wrong one, and that (laughs) pissed me off.
1: You should have listened to me, Liam. I sold you Chelsea Randall. Uh, But I think you're right. right Because realistically, playing forward-back midfield average as it out to midfield. So
0: yeah, and it was the, more it was also the fact she started at CBAs, yeah, but I would say this is another one. It's not a watch and wait for the preseason. It's <laughs> more like you will watch the throughout the year that changing role, and that creates value. If it's three games in the midfield followed by three games as a key defender, Price will tank, she will be cheap, and we know that that's a hundred point ceiling. like I yeah. would say that Adelaide of all teams not having put much thought into this, has the most players with 100 point 100 plus point ceilings. Mm. Yeah. Maybe Fremantle with Gabby O'Sullivan healthy, but even then, I don't think she's got that same level.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think the other thing about um, Chelsea Randall is 84 is a big average to maintain. So you're probably going to see a bit of a price drop, and that's something we've talked about previously, which is that a lot of these top-line players are probably going to see early drops. If that happens you probably might have a great pick, especially if she's listed as the forward or defender. Yeah, if she's, I... playing, if she's playing in the midfield and she's averaging 84, you're already paying a fair bit. You can probably get better players um, at cheaper prices, I think, especially given there are a few interesting injured players coming back.
0: Yeah, and I'm fully on board with watching this one through the year. I have a feeling there will be at least one round during the season where she will be the most traded in premium player. Yep, I I completely agree. No doubts about that whatsoever. Just don't know when it'll be.
1: Yep, for sure. Moving on, number five, and this is usually going to be this is player number five. (laughs) This is usually going to be reserved for our bit more specky picks. I think because you know most of the fantasy relevant players you played last year. A lot of you, well, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. If you did play last year, that was what I was going
0: to say. For those, those, for those players, four were very highly owned. Yep. And Danielle Ponto was one that we liked and is a yep. little bit speculative.
1: Yep. And for those who haven't played previously, a lot of these names will probably already be fairly familiar to you, hopefully. But the next player that I'm going to list is a player who has come over to Adelaide from the Giants, Jess Allen. Come back to play with her sister. Going to be fairly cheap. Hasn't played since 2021 due to work commitments with the Army. So, we have a potentially cheap-priced ruck here. Um, There's going to be quite a few cheap-priced rucks that we're going to talk about throughout this series. Uh, The reason I do bring up Jess Allen is she has played senior football, averaged 55 in 2020 for GWS, and we think there's going to be a bit of ruck time available at the Crows because our inside word from Ann Hatchard was that Caitlin Gould is probably going to be playing as a key forward. So... She's going to be mostly contesting with Montana McKinnon for that ruck role. So she could be a cheap value pick early on. Yeah, I would
0: be... I'm going to be very interested to see what that looks like because Montana McKinnon is actually the player that I would say is more likely to start there.
3: Yeah, I agree.
0: she has played full games in the ruck, but the, the converse to that is she was not always in the side. She did get dropped and I couldn't understand it. And I don't know for whatever for what reason it is, but she was not an every week player for that team. But when she did play, you know, we saw a ceiling.
1: Yeah, like, scored all right. Scored alright. We
0: know all right. that she's got ceiling in the 70s. Like for Jess Allen at least, if she's playing week one, I still think there are teams with fewer ruck options. That, make, that may be better value. I'm looking at GW yep. specifically.
1: Absolutely. And I think that this one for me is an interesting pick, and we'll talk a little bit about this throughout the series as well, is as a potential pick mid-season. A definite downgrade option if Montana McKinnon starts the year, maybe for whatever reason could get injured, could lose some form. Jess Allen comes in as a bottom price player, you've got an easy downgrade. Yeah. And I think we
0: can see at the very least now with FLW Rux. A score in the fort in somewhere in the 40s is about what you can expect for like a pretty middling average
1: ruck, and that's why it interests me because she averaged around that 45 50. I think I said 55 before, I think that might be a bit high, but she averaged you know around that average ruck mark. Hasn't played for a while, might drop, might go higher. Who knows?
0: Yeah, she'll be basement priced because she's not played since season five. And in that season, across four games, you averaged 32. So Mm. that basically means that it's basement price. you basically got a rookie here. If they play 40, 45, 50 areas, I think that's a reasonable option. I also wouldn't discount, though, Montana McKinnon because we Mm. have seen that she has a ceiling.
1: Yeah. It's all going to come down to Montana McKinnon's price, I think.
0: Because I think she's only going to be priced at like 50 points. Mm. Which is not that expensive. Now I have some, like I think there are some interesting rucks last year. I'm not going to get sucked into just one mid-priced ruck. I'm looking at you, Celine Moody. I think <laughs> that there are a number oh. of. Yeah, I know it. It hurts. It hurts so bad. Yeah. I yeah we won't we won't think too much our rucks from last year. That was we're, not also a whole lot of. My we're going to leave
1: that one all the way to the end of the Bulldogs episode because <laughs> we can talk about our failings in that one there. But But for now, Adelaide's Rucks, going to be an interesting setup.
0: Yeah, Montana McKinnon, just watch out. Good points per minute as well, at above one point per minute. So just a watch. Keep that one in your little black book when you're creating your team. All right, so we've gone through your five, Will. And now we come to – we're going to do this at the end of every one. We
1: have – we have here – the Liam special, yes,
0: because Will is the only one up to now who has the Will special, which is quite often player who scored well four seasons ago, and only Will can remember.
1: Chelsea Randall, thank you very yes, much. Yes, okay.
0: Chelsea Randall is a good example. I'm going to talk about Aliso Day or Jastelpos,
1: then maybe did work out, out. out quite as well. No, they were not it. But <laughs> but we're in Adelaide, so I can claim that one. Yes,
0: so. At the end of every one of these top fives, the other host is going to give their most speculative pick or their most interesting pick of the players that are left. My one here is Sarah Goodwin. She is going to be basement priced and she got picked at pick seven and there is two spots free inside that best 21 for Adelaide. And even beyond that, I would say that We had, I can't remember her name at this point, but there was like a rookie who played across the back end of the season in that Adelaide back line. And they were also flicking someone like Maddie Newman around back there and at half forward throughout the year as well.
1: Yeah, you're thinking of Keely Customan. Keely customan that's the one. Who I brought in and scored, I think, four points or something like that. Ooh, she played, she's got, she, score. no, she scored 10 points and Ooh. then got dropped. Ooh, so that's... I didn't earn any money from that one, but she was also a high draft pick, which was why I picked her. So yeah. keep but an eye on are... Keely um, but I would I... just
0: say that it's not necessarily something that I guarantee that she's going to get picked. I, I believe that as time of recording, she's in our predicted best 21, but it's not a guarantee. Mm. But she is someone that came in particularly highly rated as a junior yeah. at Port Adelaide, and for whatever reason, Abby Ballard was the play.
1: Yeah, I think I think for me, she also offers a bit of a point of difference because my understanding with Sarah Goodwin is she's a key defender. Is that correct? Uh, she is a mid to taller defender. Yeah. So they've got. Some tall defenders back there. Both Sarah Allen and Zoe Prowse can play pretty tall. Oh, no,
0: no, definitely a medium defender. I, I had it in my head as, a, a, it was a one seventy player. It's in the It's in the one sixties.
1: So it's basically you're looking at someone similar to a Chelsea Biddle, um, who plays a bit taller than her size. Uh, I think. I think there is a spot for her in that back line. It'll be interesting to see how that makeup goes, though, because. She came into the Port Adelaide team with pretty big wraps on her out of the Sandville W. Uh, yeah. So she's clearly a very talented player. So she can break into that Adelaide lineup. I think there's a good one there.
0: Yeah, I think the big thing that I remember reading, and I'm kind of going back to this stuff now because she d- dipped completely from view through mm. season seven, was she was yeah. a super high meters gained player in the Sandville W which is usually a good sign as a defender that you are that attacking, more high-scoring defender. Now, obviously, that's going to be more difficult in one of the most talented sides in the comp, but one to put in your black book for rookies when we are going to struggle otherwise. And she will be basement priced because
1: if Do I remember... The, about like three games. played five games and scored 27, 238 to 33 and 31. So... Like, basically going to be priced... Yeah. At the same, she would come in last year. Yeah, could be a bit of a Brenna Tarrant from last year, where you start with her, make a little bit of money, move her on.
0: Yep, it will be in amongst and you know a smattering of defender options. So, wonder right away there. One name just to not forget about when it comes to making your side. Very good. All right. Well, that w- that's it for the Adelaide episode. Please do go and check out our Best 21s. It'll be out on Instagram and on Twitter. And also make sure you're following us both there. We put out a bunch of content there as well. Some of it's different on each platform. And also be sure to check in basically from now on because we're going to be releasing all of these Clubs in Days episodes for all the teams in the AFLW up to the preseason. So get excited we're going to be releasing a bunch of content. It's getting to the pointy end of the fantasy creation season, and we're super excited. Now, Will, I know at this point a lot of people have probably heard this before, but where can people find you on the socials?
1: Uh, you can find me at WillH_VI underscore VI on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm hoping
0: that you'll be more on Twitter at this point in the year.
1: Yes, I am too. I've been mostly on the Instagrams for those who follow me, uh, but yes, Twitter's going to be a bit more of a focus now that we're getting back into the season.
0: Well, just because you've bought a house does not mean you need to call it Instagrams like a boomer. Well, <laughs> apologies. I I'm I just, really. That's pure envy <laughs> on my part. That is pure <laughs> envy. For anyone sorry, here, I'm, you can I'm, find I'm... me on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy, and you can find the podcast at FreeKickWPod at both Twitter and instagram everybody enjoy and you'll hear from us very soon with the brisbane lines see ya
1: see everyone and look out for those best 22s on the socials